Hey there, friend. Welcome to the Having a Mom Moment podcast. I am your host, Shannon Warner. This podcast is all about taking a few moments for yourself and reconnecting to the amazing woman behind the title of mom. You have so many plates spinning at any given time between your kids, your partner, your job, maintaining a household, etc., etc. But where does taking time just for you play into that? Let's spend some time together, you and me, right now. We're rebranding a mom moment to those sacred moments you take to fill your cup first. Let's connect, tune in, and tap into what makes us the incredible women that we are. We'll nurture ourselves first so we can be our best selves for those we pour into on a daily basis. We'll also bask in the beautiful wisdom of other moms to learn about the ways in which they've tapped into alignment in their own motherhood journeys. Come on, mama. It's your time. We're having a mom moment. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome to this week's episode of the Having a Mom Moment podcast. I am your host, Shannon Warner, and I am so honored that you used your precious time to join us here today. Before we get started, I want to say hello to some of the listeners out there. Hello, Lynn Haven, Florida. Hello, Holland, Michigan. Hello, San Francisco, California. Hello, Charlotte and Hendersonville, North Carolina. And hello, British Columbia, Canada. Thank you so much for tuning in. Before we roll into this episode, I just want to remind you that the Mat Leaf Social is coming in January. It is a virtual community for women on maternity leave to have support and connection with other women in a similar stage of life. All of the details are in the show notes and we would love to see you inside. This week's guest is Siri Baruch Thornton. Siri was born into a yoga ashram in Boston. As a teenager, Siri became immersed in the world of Reiki and over the years has become a master of masters. Siri is also a certified advanced mountain breathwork facilitator and an advanced Akashic record reader and instructor and has been working in the clairvoyant field for years. She's developed her own system that is truly unlike any other system. Hundreds of her clients have described their sessions as eye-opening, transformative, and an overall phenomenal experience. She adores working with her clients in this way. On top of it all, she is a mom of two boys, and this conversation is just so good. I hope you love it. Hi, Siri. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. This is going to be fun. I can already tell. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Well, who am I? That's a good question. (laughs) I could tell you some identifiers. Um, Well, I was named Siri because not the iPhone. I came before that. (laughs) Um, I was born into a yoga ashram, a Sikh, American Sikh yoga ashram, just outside of Boston. And my parents were American Sikhs. They wore turbans and they were meditating and doing yoga and chanting and very dedicated, like a strict dedication to their yoga practice and to that way of life. I was born at home and it was only the first like two, three years of my life, but I do feel that my soul chose to inhabit that community. And so my whole life I've always been very spiritual, had spiritual parents, but also been very attracted to um, spiritual, not all spiritual communities, but specific spiritual communities. And as well as that, I've wanted to gather community. So community has always been really important to me. And I think it's important to everyone, like that we have tribe and that that really is something that we've sort of lost a little bit. And I'm constantly Mm -hmm. wanting to create. And like, I feel like that's how you and I met is we have this sisterhood, Mm -hmm. the sisterhood tribe. Um, So I um, grew up actually in Vermont and learned Reiki as one of the things that I was interested in because my mom was a Reiki master. I was also an actor all growing up, going to acting camps and Then I went to college for acting and then I did more, you know, community theater and um, ended up out in L.A. because I was so in love with the Meisner technique and with acting and with that world and um, continued my studies in Reiki, continued um, practicing Reiki wherever I was. So I kind of bounced around between the West Coast and the East Coast quite a bit. Then I found Buddhism, 
Nichiren Buddhism, which is a specific type of Buddhism where you chant Nam Myoho Renge Kyo, that attracted so much goodness into my life because I got real serious about that and um, had a community, had a sisterhood, which was so helpful, like really helped me put my roots down into LA, which was hard before that to like really feel grounded there and really feel like I was home there. I kept trying to be an LA person, but I was really an East Coast, like Vermont, New York, Connecticut person. I attracted my husband and that's a whole story in and of itself, but um, he and I lived in LA for a while, had a couple kids. We birthed both of them at home and in water and uh, have a little, little cute dog and then um recently at the beginning well it feels recent to me still but at the beginning of the pandemic left la and moved near family to uh, a place called camas washington where we are now which is 20 minutes outside of portland oregon i um skipped over a part where i learned akashic record reading Mm. which is very um powerful way of tapping into infinite wisdom and so i've done a lot of um one-on-ones with um helping people to see and remember what they're ready to see and remember and um what's on their heart and mind and kind of help them using spiritual tools um to get clear on um what they're needing in their life and then i've sort of like circled back to something I was already doing years ago, but more recently, my passion has become all about breath work. And specifically, the type of breath work I do is called, I've called it mountain breath work. So I teach Reiki, I teach Akashic record reading, and I teach mountain breath work. I also have started a course, a three-month course, where it's a community container where um, everyone can come together and learn how to be certified in level one and level two Akashic. Um, And so um, basically, in a nutshell, is that I've really leaned into the, the spiritual teaching um, breathwork, Akashic, Reiki, and acting is kind of a little bit on the back burner, although I have a podcast as well called The Authentic Creative, where Hollywood meets healing. And that is a way for me to really stay saturated in the world of creatives, actors, writers, producers, directors. I'm also a mom, as, as I was sharing. So that is a big part of why I'm here today to talk to you about mom stuff. So I've got two boys, eight and 10, and they're lovely and have all sorts of, you know, big, beautiful hearts and also some challenges that they go through and lots I'm happy to share with you about being a mom and my journey as being a mom. So I'm open to whatever you (laughs) <laughs> what journey you want to go on with, with talking about mom stuff. I love all of this so much. I want to like pick apart every piece of your story, but I know we don't have time for that today, but I'm fascinated. I knew a little bit about, you know, your background beforehand because we had met before, but you've blown my mind with <laughs> all of your areas of expertise and wisdom. Like it's, it's so amazing. And just like how you gloss over the fact that you like grew up in an ashram, like that's an everyday thing, you know, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> I love all of it so much. Um, how do you think this has impacted your motherhood journey? Because you've got a lot of wisdoms and modalities to pull from that I would say the quote unquote average mom may not have in their toolkit. Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting because the first thing I thought of when you asked me that is the fact that I have this recording on my phone which is of me doing a visualization of grounding and running energy that I learned from a couple different mentors. And that has become a ritual every single night that I actually play the recording from my phone. Even though I'm there live, um, my youngest likes it if I play the recording. So I think maybe it's just the kind of predictability of it, the ritual of it, um, is of me running through grounding, 
uh, running his energy. And that's, you know, I think that will affect them in the long run of how they are in the world. And I'm sure it does. It does now. Um, I didn't have that particular tool at such a young age that they have. And I think that would have really been helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, the, uh, the other thing that I kind of like not take for granted, but like, just go, Oh, well, this is, this is what we do is, you know, I introduce tools to them. So when we used to, now they take the bus, but when I used to drive them in the morning for years, we would, and sometimes I still do like occasionally, like on the weekends with we're all in the car and I'll be like, okay. And sometimes they go along with it. And sometimes they're like, mom, we don't want to do that, but I'll have them set an intention. What's your intention for today? I'll have them say, pick a grounding cord. Like what is, is it a sequoia tree? Is it a mountain? Is it a gushing waterfall? Is it a monkey tail, a carrot? Like what's your, what's going to connect you from your root chakra down to the core of the earth today? And then I'll say, pick a color. What's your color for your bubble, your energetic Mm -hmm. bubble, you know? And so they can start to consciously choose what's their energy going to be. What's the color of their energy. And the fascinating thing is that they used to say these amazing <laughs> choices that I never would have thought of is they would say sparkly blue and glow in the dark yellow and rainbow that, you know, like they would just pick these kind of glittery glow in the dark, fascinating mm-hmm. choices that I just loved. And I find that it's so, so imaginative. So there's that and that that's affected. And then of course, not of course, we also, it's of course to me, but it's not of course to anyone else is we also chant. So my husband and I both practice Buddhism. And so we chant morning and evening and sometimes it's five minutes and sometimes we miss chanting, but we, we try to, um, my husband's very disciplined about his morning chanting. And then I do mine usually later in the morning. And then we both try and do an evening chanting. So they hear us and they've heard us since they were babies. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you know, we, we would take turns sitting on the bouncy ball with, the, you know, the ergo or whatever they they were in and, um, and bouncing them on the ball while we're sitting in front of our altar and chanting. So they, you know, would fall asleep to hearing us chanting. And the other thing that's interesting is as I'm going, I'm like realizing all these moments is actually, um, my first born, born at home. And he, you know, it was a very, it was 37 and a half hour labor, including like the pre. Oh my gosh. Laboring. And um he would not come out until i got everyone chanting so my mom was chanting the midwife was chanting and the doula was chanting my husband me and then our whole kind of support group of people that were in our buddhist community they were chanting not there present in our home but like they were doing what we call dome which is chanting somewhere else at the same time as us he was like, I'm not coming out until everyone's chanting. And that, I was like, I think we need to chant now guys. And so they did. And he, and then he did come. Yeah. There's all these various ways that they're seeped in these spiritual tools and practices that my husband and I use, um, that I think will, will continue to inform them, especially as they get older. Mm Mm-hmm. I love all of that so much. And it reminds me of, I have a six and a half year old and a 20 month old, but you know, I'm newer to like meditation and things in the last couple of years. And the first time I suggested it with her, she's like, yeah, cool. Let's do it. You know? And then sometimes in the car, can we do a meditation? When I was driving her to school, same thing. She's on the bus now, but can we do a meditation mom? You know, it's only like six or seven minutes in the car, but it's enough for them. And they love it. Like your kids are so happy to pick these things up that you suggest to them. You know, like, I trust you. Sounds like a good idea. Mom. Cool. And then they just run with it. They love it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they're, when they're young, they're so open. And then they, as they get a little bit older, I don't know if this is true, but it feels like it's true, especially the boys. I feel like they get a little bit more shut down, but I've never had girls, so I don't know. But it feels like the boys are kind of taught to kind of harden a little bit as they get older. And they have to kind of, you know, feel like they need to be a certain way. And so they get a little less open about certain things. But yeah, I think that when they're young, it's good to get in those those practices early. Mm-hmm. Well, also we were doing tapping. I don't think my husband's still doing it with Phoenix, but Phoenix is my oldest. But they were tapping together in the mornings. I love that. Yeah. Wow. Well, and if they do harden, as you say, at least they've got the tools to fall back on when things get muddy or hard. Yeah. But well, I, I mean, I rejected Reiki when I was a teenager, when my mom was trying to teach me about it and do it on me. At first, I was very kind of jaded and skeptical about it. And oh, mom's doing this thing. So therefore, you know, I'm going to reject it. But of course, as I became more enmeshed in life and life's challenges i reached for that tool Mm, give 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 what give me that thing yeah yeah yeah. i wish i had some of that (laughs) i wish i had that i found at least i found it you know i've with meditation and things at least i've found it recently better than late than never but yeah if we can instill this in our kids and i know a lot of the schools and it's a hot button issue for a lot of people Mm-hmm. But a lot of the schools are trying to bring mindfulness practices in into the classroom because it is so beneficial. And yeah, and like it. what but it's so funny. Well, why would it be? Oh, because it's connected to certain religions sometimes. I think, yeah, I've lived in a lot of like Bible belt areas. So I hear a lot of the other side of like, that's not their job to do that. That should be a whole thing. Separation. It's not even like full on meditation. It's just like you know, and it gets intertwined with the, um, so social emotional learning aspect of like naming our feelings and empathy towards others and all of these things. And like taking a moment when you feel elevated and breathing to come back down from an elevated state and things like that. And some people don't like it because I think they do think it's against their belief system, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, I like the school that we're in now and we chose to move here because it was a 10 out of 10 school on Zillow. Um, And it just so happens that it's what I was looking for that we didn't really find in LA. We found it kind of here and there, but is this approach of the whole child? Mm -hmm. And usually you only get that if you're in a private school, but this is a public school that actually cares about the whole child. I love that. But so yeah. there is there is that social emotional learning and um, understanding of mindfulness and they don't I don't think they have like a specific program but I I did see yesterday on my Facebook memories a video when we were homeschooling during mm-hmm. COVID of my youngest meditating and they did have some sort of meditation that day. I think, I think COVID really kind of woke people up to um, needing and wanting and realizing that mind, you know, wellness and, and having a high vibration and um, all of these kind of spiritual practices, how important they are. Yes, for sure. For sure. It shook up our whole world, which I was telling you before we started recording. We lived in North Carolina, which was beautiful and amazing. Asheville, especially, is just so magical. And we were looking around going, is this really what we want? Like this location's amazing, but you know, now that the world is on its head, is this really what we want to be so far from our family and be in a beautiful place? But like that's all we really love about it outside of our little circle, you know. So yes, I t- that really resonates with just like having to kind of go inward and you know it's interesting because i've met a few different spiritual people that live in asheville really it keeps come it keeps coming up in the spiritual realm so i'm like what is it about that area supposedly there's a vortex in asheville okay i've heard i've heard this from several sources um i don't know but what's interesting it it's kind of changed 
um, in 2010, we moved there around 2010. And then around that time they did like a big tourism push. So like tourism really ramped up and then people just started moving in droves. And I mean, you could see the boom happening as we were there. Um, but it kind of like, I don't want to say choose people up and spits people out, but it's very temporary for a lot of people. You meet a lot of people who come stay for a few years and they leave. And interesting. It's, yeah. It's super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And we loved it. But again, it was like the family and the support and the, you know, we were talking about community, that that piece that we needed for us since we had had one daughter, we're planning on having another child. Like that was here in Michigan, but yeah. So tell me what it, is it that you're seeking to share with your audience about being a mom? Like what is, what does your audience need to know more about or be validated about? That's a good question. Um, the whole premise was to help women reconnect to the amazing, amazing person that they are behind the title, because it's so easy to lose yourself in it. And guests have shared some really phenomenal ways that they've reconnected to themselves or the work that they do. And I know there's a million ways out there and I hope whoever's listening, you know, here's a couple episodes and goes, Oh, that would work for me. I should try that to reconnect to myself because when we're good for ourselves is when we can be the best for our kids and our families. It's so interesting how we have this conundrum of being dedicated to our children and then that, but that then tends to equal losing ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it's only recently that this has even been a topic because my grandmother, I interviewed her just for our family, not for my podcast. Like that wasn't even a question. She didn't think about losing herself that's such a good point you know i mean she i found out recently was interested in interior design which is so fascinating to me i never knew that but i don't i don't know that she ever saw it as a sacrifice i don't know that she ever saw dedicating herself to being a mom as anything other than what she was meant to do and i know there's a lot of women that feel very, I don't know, happy on purpose or fulfilled by completely dedicating themselves to being a mom. I, I know there are women out there like that. I've heard mm -hmm. that there are, and I, and I know some of them. I just had coffee with one of them mm -hmm. and part, and, and I, and I go, well, huh, that's not me. I don't, yeah. I don't relate, I don't relate to that, but I'm, I'm happy for that, for that, that that exists and I'm happy for them. And I do question like, is that because they've convinced themselves that, that this is what's the priority because of a conditioning or are they truly, truly fulfilled? Um, you know, fully dedicating themselves to being a mom you know, or is it just maybe some people are just more kind of um, apt to need something outside of motherhood? You know, mm -hmm. I, I, it's an interesting thing to look at. And it's only recently that I think we are looking at this. But I, I don't know any mom that something's not going missing. You know, like, yeah. it has to because all of a sudden you're responsible for another being, you know, when you're beginning and you're, if you're nursing or even if you're bottle feeding, like that um, is a full-time job. Yeah. You know, so how do you not lose something? Yeah. And, and you're, and you become a, you have to become a different person. Um, you have to graduate. You naturally graduate into being uh, this provider in this way. It's not really prioritized in our culture to um, to continue to nurture what our needs are. So we've got like the word self-care now, 
And I think that's um, been helpful. But, you know, I've heard people talk about that self-care isn't just taking a nap or having a bath or getting a massage. Like self-care is also tapping into your passions, you know, that like it getting to focus for a whole day on something that you care about that you want to do whether monetizing it or not Mm -hmm. I was very dedicated with my first child and then with my second one I started to you know learn later on not in the beginning but later on like how me being the example of taking care of myself is really actually what's best for them yes yes you know that that's really what they need and um, I saw a woman at this, the school puts on this, uh, you know, fundraiser race, um, the kids, you know, run around the track and it's a fundraiser. And one of the moms who's like the head of the PTA was trying to run with her daughter and her daughter was a fifth grader and was like, not interested in her mom being so like next to her right there involved every step of the way she was just like what are you doing and the mom was just like looking up at everyone like what why won't you let me run with her and I just thought like huh that's it that's interesting like I do wish I could be part of me is like I wish I could be more excited about being that kind of a mom (laughs) but um but I also see that you know there is there is a balance between dedicating your whole life to your child to the point where they're like could you find your own path Mm -hmm. there is a balance between that and like losing yourself in in your child's life and the other direction, which is just like not caring or paying attention at all. I think there's, yeah. there's, there's a middle way. I agree. It's interesting. I, I can't imagine watching that. And I, I think I would be like, is this a metaphor really right here of you trying to be so, so involved? And they're just like, mom, but if they, if they unhook from you or begin to unhook at that age, like what's left for you when they, and that's what they want to do. They move into that middle school, like child development wise, like that's normal for them mm-hmm. to want to step back and start to explore their own identities. It, like you've done a good job if they're doing that, but if you have rusted so much of your identity on that, I don't know how you work through that. Well, I think that when your child continues to separate themselves then you start to kind of go well, what am i what am i going to do now yeah and but i th- i guess we all have that at some point yeah fair you yeah. know <clears throat> eventually when our kids leave we're all going to have to go okay but if you've invested in yourself and you've prioritized yourself and you've put time into either your hobby or your career that's i think going to be when I get there or when we get there, a smoother transition. I agree. And as someone who always liked to work and had something going, yes. I think another aspect to that though is it's another hat that you have to wear. It's another place where there has to be a fine line because you can't give everything in all of those areas at the same time. There's got to be a balance there. And I think that's another struggle um, from my perspective that I had. And I know some of my friends who are mothers have had the same issue is, okay, I'm trying to do all the things at work. I'm trying to progress my career. You know, my career means a lot to me. I've worked really hard to get here, but my child needs me in this way. And I also, at the end of the day, have to feed the children and do the laundry and make sure the dog gets to the groomer, you know, and it's like all of those pieces are where you, even despite your best efforts, I think can kind of get lost in the shuffle because it's so easy to put yourself last when the other things feel like they have to come first. I recently, in the past couple years, transformed that for myself Mm. because 
I got really passionate about breath work and I was working with a coach and the coach really helped me to prioritize my self-care. Like it was hard. I couldn't prior to that, I couldn't decide to take an hour, lock the door. Like we don't lock doors. I couldn't do that. I couldn't like prioritize myself for an hour, lock the door lay down and breathe for an hour because I was like, no, this and this and this. And then I started getting into the habit of doing that. And I was like, this is so vital for everyone I live with that Mm -hmm. I do, that I do this. Yeah. And it transformed my relationship with my parents. When I started prioritizing that, it transformed my relationship with myself first and foremost. And then there, as an extension of that, transformed the way that I interact. 90% of the time, I interact with my children and my husband from a regulated nervous system, as opposed to literally just playing recordings of what I heard as a child like the shit that I would, can I say that? Oh, please do. <laughs> the, sh- the shit that I would say, and I'd hear myself, I still do it 10% of the time, maybe less, but like, I still, you know, the recording that I hear myself saying is, why am I the only one who's doing mm, this? Yeah. Guys, I am the only one cleaning up. Why am I the only one who cares that this has been sat here for a month? Like no one's bringing this up the stairs. Why am I the only one who cares? You know, you know, the, you know, the recording. So the martyr Mm. is very much this archetype that I would catch myself. And it's like, that's not serving anyone. Yeah. Playing the martyr. And it's just a, it's a habit that we adopt. It's not who we are. Mm. You know, and then also one of the things that would be such a trigger is birthday parties before we would host one and trying to clean up and trying to get everyone in the house to care the way I care about making this a nice experience for these guests. Yeah. And they don't care the way I care. So, but also it was just a recording that I was replaying that wasn't mine. It's just like that unconsciousness that we slip into. So anyway, point being is that when I started to learn how to prioritize my self-care and for me, self-care meant giving myself a breathwork session, going to a breathwork class. um, I started to retrain myself, like how to first and foremost, be safe for myself, Mm. be, be regulated for myself, be conscious of where I'm at and what's my energy and what's my emotion. And like um, Sherry Salata said, like manage, manage your mood, like just start to be the authority of my own nervous system, my own mood, my own energy in a conscious, consistent way. So that, because when I first was when, with both kids, when I was nursing, oh my god like my hormones were just through the roof like it was just like i was exhausted i mean you're just as a mom like you're just so exhausted yeah and so anytime any trigger would come up it was just like i'm gone like forget it yeah i'm i'm yelling i'm crying you know i'm hurt i'm taking everything personally um i and the other thing that's transformed recently that i that i i recommend um and i do think it's important to have uh you know feng shui and tidiness and make consciousness around in your house with your energy but i don't care anymore about my laundry and their laundry so much i just i just leave it um in the closet in the um corner off to the side I leave it in a pile 
I don't care. I'm not spending. I was so miserable. I felt like such a 1950s housewife every time I would be folding laundry. Yeah. And I'm folding their laundry. I'm folding my laundry. And I'm like, I am miserable. I feel so unhappy right now. Well, why does it matter? Honestly, yeah. my clothes don't look any more less wrinkled. They really don't. I yeah. leave them I leave them on the floor in a pile or in the basket. I wear it out of the basket. I don't care. Yeah. So I gave up and 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 that is very freeing. Yeah. And then and then also just like giving them the responsibilities to um do their own laundry. I still do my youngest ones, but with my older one, I'm like you know, if you don't do it, you don't have clothes. And that's, it's not going to be my priority anymore. I don't live for laundry. Right. And with the dishes, like, it's like, what's your level of comfortability? Sometimes I'm going to go for a day and that's okay. If the dishes mm -hmm. are in, in the sink for a whole day, I, honestly, I don't care. Yeah. Yes, in an ideal world, it's all perfect and sparkling and folded. Of course, I'm a Virgo. I like order. Yeah. I like I'm a perfectionist, but I just you just kind of stop. I, I recently had an injury. I fractured my toe and I couldn't. Mm -hmm. It's like a lot of work for me to get up and down the stairs still. So that was a big impetus to start to just let let it go. Mm. Just so interesting. It. Yeah. I remember you sharing about your injury and it just sounded like such a pain, but like, maybe, you know, there's some value in it. Cause when you have no other choice, but to let go yeah. a lot of, a lot of benefit in, in being just the receiver of everything, like not, I'm not, I wasn't able to be the provider for, mm. th for three months in terms wow. of the, in terms of the home. Yeah. You know, I can't provide this every snack and every meal and every, um, yeah. you know, where's my socks? I, you know, you have to find it yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to have to look. Yeah. You know, if, if I were, if I got up right now and I started looking, I would find it very quickly. All of a sudden now, after three and a half months of me not doing those things, now my husband knows exactly where my sneakers are all the time, all of a sudden. I don't know. We like switched awareness. <laughs> well, good. That's an interesting yeah. change of pace. Yeah. Wow. So it's interesting because, you know, we talk about in our group like codependency. Yeah. And, it's, and that, I think that's really what we're talking about, isn't it? It's yeah. like, and of course, obviously in the beginning, like, when they're they can't do anything for themselves of course of course you have to be codependent yeah, yeah. but i am learning and i and i you know i do like still do you know i do still occasionally wipe a butt for my <laughs> for my youngest occasionally i will wipe a butt but for the most part i'm really like trying to to have the the patience and the discipline to not do it for them. Ooh, yeah. I'm trying because it's the impatience for me that doesn't allow me to, to let them figure things out. Yeah. And I love that you brought up the codependency piece because in our realm that we've been existing within, um, it's a lot of like, you know, relationships more on the adult level, but like, you're right on the kid level too, there's a time where they're able to be more independent and what a gift you're giving them by allowing them be, to be more independent and then being patient with that outcome while you're letting them find the socks that you know are inevitably going to be found. I mean, I love babying my youngest because it feels good to be the mom in yeah. that way and to be needed in that way. But so I don't have a handle on it, but I am working on it. I am, you know, and I'm seeing the benefit. I'm like, oh wait, oh, I get it. My job, my yeah. job is to, my job is to make sure that you guys are the most capable beings that you can be. Mm -hmm. That's my job. Yeah. So, so when I remember that, I'm like, okay, don't do it for them. Don't yell at them. Don't scold them. Just help them to be empowered. Yeah. That takes, that takes patience. Yes. So much. 
I love how you said too, like what your actual, like what your actual job description is as a mom, because I find myself getting caught up in the things. Like, of course, I want to make sure that you're fed and clothed and and clean, you know, like, of course, (laughs) but like, I keep, I keep hearing myself say like when my six-year-old's like, I'm bored. I'm like, I'm not your entertainer. Like I gave myself permission a long time ago. Like I am not the clown at the circus. Like I'm not going to put on a song and dance routine for you. Like I will provide you with some ideas, go forth and entertain yourself because that's not my job. And I am so glad I set down that guilt, but I know for anyone listening, there are probably areas where they're like, oh, I'm holding this and I don't need to hold that for them. They're fine. Yeah. I gave that up from the beginning because I don't want to, and (laughs) daddy does want to, thank goodness. But also I I, I say to him, like, you know, you don't have to say yes every time. Unfortunately, I feel quite guilty about electronics. I really do. Um, And also I grew up watching TV all the time. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But am I? I mean, you know, it's, it's a bit scary. And I, I do think we are growing up with a um, generation that's going to have ADHD because of our electronics. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I'm modeling for my children, not great. Yeah not great i am on my computer and my phone all the time yeah so i don't love that um and also it's tough because i'm an entrepreneur and that is how i run my business right it's interesting (laughs) you know i'm glad you said this i was actually thinking about this myself um because we have befriended the tv we, yeah. you know, it's like, it just is like for the longest time. And we're not that way so much anymore, but for the longest time, it, if we were home, it was on and it didn't even mean that we were sitting in front of it as mm-hmm. a family. Like we could be doing other things, but it was there mm-hmm. in the background. Mm-hmm. And it's not that way so much now, but we were noticing as we started to ease off, the more our older one would just like totally lock in. Like it, she couldn't even hear anybody. We're like, Hey, Come on, Mm -hmm. we got to go. You got to brush your teeth, whatever. And it was like, what, what, what? So like, we feel like we've done better in that part. But then this morning she asked, oh, can I do um, one of the kids apps on my phone, which I usually have on my phone for like, oh, if there's a long wait while we're at the doctor's Mm -hmm. office or like, you know, it's going to take longer than I want, you know, whatever. But it's so easy to be like, sure, (laughs) sure. I've got these three or four things to do before we head out the door and just handing it to her. And it's like, it's educational, but like, like you said, what is going to be the result in the long run and what are we modeling it's it's hard it's a hard line to walk in they're digital natives so it comes so easy to them you hand them the phone yes. they figure it out yeah easy <laughs> yes so i don't have the solution i am not disciplined personally myself yeah. um in terms of knowing when to put the phone away so i do feel like that's um a place because you were mentioning mom guilt and I'm just going, yeah, that's my mom guilt right there. Yeah. That's my yeah. mom guilt is the, is the screen time. Yeah. It's just like you said, it's so easy here. It's a built-in babysitter Yeah, here. You you're happy. I get to do what I need. Yeah. Everyone's happy, but right? what's, what's, what's the problem with that is, you know, then you see they're not, you know, at the age they're at now, they're not taking care of themselves or they're getting grumpy or they're dysregulated or they're distracted or, you know, they're not engaging at the dinner table or what, you know, they don't like when I was growing up, I'm sure for you too. Well, I'm not sure, but I'm guessing that we sat at the dinner table until you were dismissed. Mm Mm-hmm. Not my experience, but I don't have like a typical like nuclear family unit situation, but. I'm not saying it was like mother may I, but it was just sort of a understanding. Yeah. That you stay at the dinner table until everyone's done eating. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, with my youngest, like he just dashes off. Um, As soon as he's done eating, he can't, he can't eat quick enough. 
so he can so he can go back and be on his electronics and it's tough because i'm like do i do the traditional thing that's the constant choices that i find Mm. myself needing to make is like do i do the traditional thing that i grew up with but it's like but why well okay and so we're we were talking yesterday about like guys we need to have a family meeting every day we need to check in and how is everyone doing because otherwise they're getting in a fight and why are they fighting well what's the root here I'm like, okay, so you had a, let's, when we check in, we find out that like, you know, one of them had a tough day because X, Y, Z with their friends, the other one felt lonely today. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's why they're fighting. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, that's normally you would do that at dinner time. Um, we're not really doing that at dinner time. So how do I was yesterday, I was thinking like, how do I cultivate uh, an environment for these boys, a culture of that it's okay to hold space for each other, that it's yeah. like that it's that it's okay to talk about our feelings, that it's that we can be safe for each other and processing how our day was. Yeah. Like, bec- you know, we didn't learn that kind of language right. or, you know, emotions and processing emotions, most of us as kids. Um, unless you had a really unique special situation where you're like parents were guidance counselors or something. Right. right. So, you know, I'm just, it's just something that happened yesterday where I'm going, okay, I need to really cultivate this, a processing. Mm. Also interesting because we do do that now where, I mean, the family, the family meal, and I didn't have that growing up, like, unless I went to my grandparents' house, you know, like that wasn't a thing that we ever did. It was just the way we lived our lives. And so we've started doing that in the last couple of years. And then in the last couple of days, I'm like, this part of our evening bores me to tears. Like I, so like, I want that check-in experience, but I'm examining like, why are we really doing this? Because really my husband, I'm very fortunate, loves, I won't say loves, hates cooking less than I hate cooking. So he, he is happy to do it because I don't want to do it, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. he's very regimented in what he eats and is always on some kind of diet, depending on what he's, what goal he's trying to achieve in the gym, you know, whether it's bulking up, slimming down, Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. So he always eats something separate. We've got a toddler who likes to try things, but is a toddler. So can't eat all the things or the things need to be chopped up, you know, six-year-old who is quite picky and if she does, she's not going to eat it. She's not going to eat it. And then there's me and I'm somewhere in the middle where I'm like, I don't really want to eat chicken nuggets and I don't want to eat your bland shredded chicken yep. thing that you're doing. So we've got all these actual meals going on. Oh, sure. Everyone eats at different paces because of it. And I'm like, why are we forcing ourselves to sit down here together? Like, I think it's great to have the time to come together, but like, does it have to really be at a dinner table? Well, but well that's so the thing. I think yeah. that's the thing is like, exactly really looking at well what's going to work for your family so maybe it's not maybe you don't have your family meeting at dinner time around around food maybe but maybe you have a check-in at like four o'clock in the afternoon where you all where you all sit down together without food and you just process your day together or maybe it's at at bath time i don't know but i think it's like what works for your family right yeah right as opposed to just being like, well, yeah. this is how everyone does it. And this, this is, is what the we're tradition. To do. Yeah. We, be- we better do it, even though it may, and even though no one is invested in this. Yeah. Yeah. Goes back to that like recording thing you were saying of like, why am I replaying this? Where is this coming from? Such a good point. Yeah. yeah. And I keep saying, like, you got to set things down that aren't serving you, but here I am doing things every day that I'm like, why am I actually doing this? You know? I so relate to that four different meal thing because Mm -hmm. my husband, same as you, and he was doing keto for a while, right? And so then, and I'm not a vegetarian, but I tend towards, I don't like to have meat all the time. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, my 10-year-old's a vegetarian and only eats specific things. And then my eight-year-old's lactose intolerant. Oh my gosh. He's he's sick of mac and cheese. Like he's like, I'm done. He's like, I am done with mac and cheese. About two years ago, he was like, no more mac and cheese. Oh my gosh. Very specific picky eaters. And so it was like, I was making, I was doing HelloFresh. I was making four different, I was doing like one kind of HelloFresh for him. A different, you know, is like too much. That is too much. 
how do you, you know, and it was like, how do you, you know, streamline this? How do you make this make sense? Um, now, like you were saying, my husband does lately because of my injury, he's been doing all the cooking where I was doing it before I was doing a HelloFresh. Now he does it. Um, and I'm like, I am happy to clean up as yeah. like, I will clean up every time. If you keep, I just appreciate the shit out of you. Yeah. Like if you're going to cook, cause he's, he's better at it than I am. Yeah. Same here. And it's funny too. Cause you think you've got so many areas like on lock, you know, I'm like, I've, I've, I've set this junk down over here. I've set this junk down over here and still we're just repeating a pattern of like, but I didn't grow up sitting down for family meals and I'm okay. I don't feel like I missed anything. I don't feel like I'm lacking in any capacity. I don't feel like my parents loved me any less. It just didn't fit into our lifestyle. Not that it didn't ever happen, but it was not our norm. It doesn't need to be the norm. <laughs> Why are we doing this to ourselves? Yeah. Well, I think um, it, like you said, it's, you know, it's what works for you guys. Yeah. But I, I do think there is something really important about finding a time where you can come together as yes. a family and like whatever that is for you, where you're not on screens, where yeah. you can like, you can process with each other how are you doing? How was your day? What's going on for you? What, what, yeah. what do you, what do you, you know, what do you need support with? And yeah. what are, what is our schedule for the weekend and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff? Yeah. Can I ask, since your kids are a little older, what ways have you found to extract information from your kids? Because I'll get bits and pieces here and there, but if I'm like, Hey, how was school today? Good. Did you yeah. learn anything new? I don't know. You know, yeah. I can, I know like Oh, what special did you have? Will get me an answer. But if I'm like, oh, what did you do in math? You know, or whatever, it's hard to extract the info to have the conversation. It's interesting because I'm only now realizing this as you're asking this question is that it's actually the same exact thing as Akashic Record reading. What I teach people in the in that course Ooh. is what I say to them is when you're going to ask your master's teachers and loved ones a question, if it's going to be a general question, you're going to get a general answer. Oh, yeah. And I say that to my students, but I'm not actually use employing yeah. that talking to my kids we did have the school gave us uh, a couple years ago this list that I taped to the fridge and then I land and then I put it in like a, a plastic sleeve and I had it on the dining room table for a while now it's gone I don't know where it's gone but it was a list of very specific unique questions mm -hmm. and I and I would hand it to them and I would say can you look at this list and pick one of these and answer it and it didn't, it, it didn't really work. So oh. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't have the solution, but what I do think is working is that when they decide that they want to share in their own timing, that I make a point to listen Yeah. and put the phone down. Yeah. And because my youngest will like to share right before he falls asleep and actually same with my oldest hmm. and that is so special when that starts to happen when they start yeah. sharing and then I have to really be present for that I think that's the important thing is not forcing it because I don't like that I don't want to be forced to talk about things either and True. So a specific timing right and so and also if it feels generated like you're just asking me because you think you should. Oh, yeah. You know, and mm -hmm. I think they're so smart and we they are. We kind of forget how intuitive yeah. they are. And they can probably tell that I'm just trying to be a good mom right now. Mm. They can probably tell that as opposed to me actually being interested and being like, oh, so I know this thing is coming up that you're about to do. And like, how are you feeling about that specific thing? If yeah. I'm really curious. Yeah. I think yeah. they probably know. And so I think if it comes up for them organically where they start to share something. And then also like, I know my husband does um, Cub Scouts with our oldest. And I think like they have a really good bonding experience when they do activities. So I feel like that's another way of getting that bonding happening is just like do specific activities now because i have two boys i feel like we don't have a lot of activities that we both like 
that are like the same. I spent this one Christmas getting all this stuff off of Etsy that was like crafty. That was like, we're going to make candles. We're going to do stain, you know, stained glass. We're going to make soap. We're going to make perfume. Like I was ma- doing all this D- DIY stuff with them yeah. to try and be a good mom. And then I was like so controlling about it that they just would run away after 20 minutes. I was like, no, 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 that's not how you roll the the wax. Yeah. I feel like it's like when I'm coming from a place of I'm trying to do it because I think it's going to make me a good mom oh. as opposed to like, I actually want to do this thing with you or talk to you about this thing that that they feel the difference. Oh my gosh. I think if we look around though, like how much are we doing that in our lives? Because we feel like we should. Look, if you're concerned about it, I think you're already a good mom. And in my book, like if you give a shit enough to be like, oh, I should do this, you know, I, I think you're doing just fine. But yeah, how many places are we doing the things? Because we feel like we should, not because we want to or because it will actually serve our kids. Because like you said, they're so intuitive and you're right. I think they see right through it. The other thing mm-hmm. that I've uh, that I struggled with is I was a theater kid and my kids were interested in doing sports and I was not disciplined about because they're so they're so young and so I was not disciplined about making sure that they did every single thing like showed up because all of a sudden it was like because it's a volunteer thing and so sometimes it would be one coach and it would be one way and the next time it's another coach Mm -hmm. and it's another way and so the new coach was like we're gonna have two practices a week and I was just like uh he I don't want to go he doesn't want to go so I didn't make him go but then the soccer moms who grew up as athletes were like yeah you just go, you do the thing you're supposed to do and you do it and you just show up. You're both miserable, but you do it anyway. (laughs) And here, the thing is though, is I do feel like there's something to that discipline that you're teaching, you're teaching your child discipline. So on one, on one hand, I'm like, that's great. Like that is really, that really truly is important. And like showing up for your team, being disciplined, doing it, even when you don't want to do it and doing the thing that, but, and then on the other hand, it's like, I also am like, from where I come from, from the spiritual standpoint of like, that your body comes first and you listen to your body and you check in. And like, if you're not feeling well, or if you know, like you need a break or you're overstimulated from your day, like to also like listen to that yeah and so it's a very fine balance that i'm figuring out of like how do i teach them discipline and showing up but also really checking in with themselves of like what they need and like prioritizing their health yeah how's that going well i think i've gotten more on the side of making sure that we're going to be more disciplined about showing up when we make a commitment and and then whilst also you know, teaching them by, by way of example, like Mm -hmm. how to, how to take care of our, of our body and ourselves and like check in with ourselves and be our own highest authority. Yes. As opposed to like, yeah, I think that's so important. If they can learn that now, like you said, there are times you're going to have to show up. If you commit to something, you're going to need to show up, but still honoring yourself first. And it doesn't mean that you don't go at all. You know, sometimes there'll be occasions where you don't go at all, but maybe it's you go and you sit for a few minutes or you, you know, take a few extra minutes to warm up or whatever, or advocate for yourself with your coach. Like, Hey, I need a minute. Like I'm here. I'm here for the team, but I'm going to need a couple minutes and giving them that power to do that at a young age. Yeah. I can see how beneficial that'll be for them in the long run. None of it's easy though. Is it? I mean, it's all perspective, I guess, because I think if you know the beast that you're dealing with, right? Like, yeah okay, this, this motherhood thing, this being a parent thing, some days is going to be easy. And some days it's going to be hell. If you just kind of know the beast you're dealing with, I think it's easier to accept it as opposed to just feeling at the mercy of it. Ooh, that's so good, Siri. You're right. You know, because we don't really understand what we're signing up for. Never. Agreed. Until, until we're looking back at it. Right. Yeah. 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 We don't understand. I've, I've spoken to enough women, you know, in my own personal life. And then through this experience of women raising their hands and wanting to share their stories and 
they all have something that they're like, I had no idea this was going to be part of it. How could I have known? You know, that's not what it wasn't in the books. It wasn't in anything I saw on TV or read about. You know, this was the thing that brought me to my knees. And there was no way I could have known, even though all this other stuff is so beautiful and amazing. And I'm so happy that they're here. And because yeah. you wouldn't have kids if you knew. Yeah. And there's yeah. Ever, like, right. Like, and, and I feel like there's a hundred things I could say that about. Like, I didn't know any of this was going to be yeah. as hard. I had such an I- idyllic idea when I'm a mom. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be this and this and this. Cause I saw how my parents did it and I saw how, what my siblings needed and, you know, and I'm going to do it this way and it's going to be so great. And I'm going to be such a good mom and I'm going to love being a mom. Uh, no. Yeah. Most, most of the time I'm not loving being a mom. Thank you for saying it out loud because I have those moments too. And I'm thinking it and I'm like, am I being kind to myself right now? Like, no, this actually just sucks in this moment. And that's okay. Mm, yeah. yeah. I, I wish we all had the courage to acknowledge out loud. Yeah. Sometimes this is shitty, but that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's the hardest, so- hardest job you'll ever do. And I do believe it is the most rewarding. I do yeah. believe that. Yeah. It's just like the polarity of the example for us this weekend. It, we have a 20 month old and she's, she's hard. Cause she wants to get into everything and like trash the house. You know, It's like, yeah, you're fun, but this is the weekends are rough. Um, yeah. So we were like going through it with her and with our tiny teenager. And then we took the tiny teenager's training wheels off and she took off. Like she'd been riding a bike for weeks without him. We were just like, oh my gosh, we were about to punch ourselves in the face earlier, you know, over Mm. all the drama in our house. And then Mm. look at her go, like, this is so amazing. And she's so proud of herself. And we're so proud, you know, it just like both things can exist. But yeah, I feel like that's like life, isn't it? It's like, yeah, life's life is really hard. And then there's those moments where you're like, this is a freaking miracle. Yeah, this is the most beautiful. I'm so grateful, grateful that I get to wake up and experience this life. I think it's very yeah. similar to that. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. This conversation has been so juicy and I could talk to you all day, but mm-hmm. I know we don't have all day. So can you please share with our listeners your offers and where people can find you, how they can work with you? Thank you. So I, as you heard, I facilitate mountain breathwork infused with Reiki. And so if you're wanting to take a minute to yourself and prioritize yourself so that everyone in your household benefits Mm -hmm. and truly like see what that feels like. And it's not necessarily the first time, but if you can get into a practice of that, of prioritizing your, your well-being, everyone follows suit they follow your vibration, right? So mm-hmm. um, that's Tuesday nights and Thursday nights at 8.30 p.m. Pacific and Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. Pacific on Zoom. Okay. If you, ha- if you happen to be local to Portland, Oregon, or Camas, Washington, I'm going to be doing in-person classes starting October 8th, Sundays at two o'clock, and that's for an hour. Um, I also offer a course on Akashic record reading, which is Mm. also, also like just sisterhood and bonding and getting your heart's, you know, answers and getting clarity on your life and your career and what you're wanting a motherhood, whatever, how to be a better mother to your children. You can ask anything you want on your heart and mind. And that course is on on my website as well, sageandblushwellness.com. I also, I also do retreats um, and I teach Reiki. I give Reiki in person and online. So all the different services, I have many, many services, one of which is actually spiritual doula support. So helping, helping women that are trying to get pregnant or that are pregnant or just have had their babies. I actually, and I didn't even get into that, but my gosh, uh, I love it. Yeah, so that's all on sageandblushwellness.com. And especially if you're wanting to have an, um, a natural childbirth, like a home birth, that's something that I can coach you through. Wow. You, like your spread of offerings is so incredible. <laughs> and I wish we would have touched on the spiritual spiritual doula piece. You may have I to t- come back and share about that because that's amazing. Yeah, I totally that's forgot. Amazing. Wow. Well, Siri, thank you so much for your wisdom and your time and sharing your journey with us and all the pieces. I love when we can 
discuss openly, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly, because it's all part of the journey, but it's all good. Yeah. I, I, I think it's so important. Our, you know, our parents didn't have Instagram where they could see other moms talking about what's really going on. So this is so important what you're doing. So thank you. Absolutely. I, it's been a gift. I've learned so much. And like I've told some of the other women I've spoken to, you know, these moms drop this little nugget of wisdom and they don't think it's anything. I'm like, did you hear what you just said? How profound that was, you know, like we are all, we've all transformed so much through this journey and we are all, we have so much wisdom and we need to give ourselves so much more credit for our experience. So. Agreed. Agreed. Thank you. Thank you, Siri. Thank you. This is wonderful. Thank you again, Siri, for being here. I hope this episode gave you some permission to examine some of the things that you're doing and consider if it's a recording you're putting on replay that no longer serves you or maybe never served you in the first place, or if it's just a pattern that you're repeating and you're not sure why, give yourself the permission to set it down today. If you enjoy what you're hearing on the podcast, please follow and rate. It would mean so much and help spread the word about the podcast to others who may also enjoy these juicy episodes. Until next time, come hang out with me on Instagram at having a mom moment or on Facebook also at having a mom moment. And if there's something you'd like to hear about on a future episode, go ahead and drop me a DM or shoot me an email at havingamommoment at gmail.com. In case no one has told you today, you're amazing, you're loved, and I'm so proud of the beautiful human that you are. Take care.